0: Good morning everyone, Good morning. we are in the Mimer of Oz Yashir and yesterday we were learning about the deeper meaning behind the service of the Karbanis and our davening where we say Baruch Ata Hashem, that the significance of that is that Baruch is that we're drawing down from Amadei into Atta, into Amadei to a point that we can draw Hashem down into our consciousness as it exists down here with, from our perspective of Amadei so that we can point to Hashem and say, Atta, you, you down here. And we spoke about the comparison between the sea and the dry land, and these two perspectives that we can have on the world. And we finished off by saying what I just said, that when we are praying and when we Bringing sacrifices, we were drawing down from the consciousness of Alma Des Gassia into the consciousness of Alma Des and that was the service of the Kaihanim. That was their job, because they were the ones who were in charge of the Karbanis, and that is what they were tasked to do spiritually to draw down this one element and perspective down into another. And we finished off yesterday with a question. Does anyone remember what the question was?
1: Question. That's <laughs> we, good. I remember you saying, like, we're gonna end of the
0: question. There was a question. Based on what I just said, we have a question.
1: Remember a difference between a koan service and levy service?
0: Right. We said that we're gonna learn about that, but that's not the question. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna learn about the difference between the coin and the Levi. But what question comes up when we speak about this Avaida and service of drawing from Ahmadez Gassia down into Ahmades Kalia? How do we do it? How do we do it? Why is that a question? Why is that not obvious? Uh,
1: Because we're drawing down from one world into another, like and changing our perception around
0: us. Right. Exactly. Um, As we discussed in the example of sea and dry land, they are two opposite things. Those who live in the sea cannot survive on dry land. Those who live on dry land cannot survive in the sea or cannot even survive being immersed in their own source of life in in the earth and so too when it comes to these two perspectives of the world of Amadeus Kalia, Amadeus those who see the world as total unity and constantly seeing their source are not able to survive in a state of Kalia. and those who live in a state of separateness and not seeing their source are not able to survive in a state of amadiscasia and so then the question becomes what do we how is it possible to draw down from one consciousness into the other they are opposites so how you possibly supposed to integrate these two opposite things, these two opposite perspectives and these two opposite worlds. But that is what we're saying that we're doing. Every time that we pray when we say barakata, we are drawing from Almadiskasya into Ahmadiskalya. How are we able to do that? How are we able to combine, literally combine two opposite things? What we're basically saying is that when we pray and we're saying barakata, We are existing with our, we're remaining with our perspective of Amadeus Scalia. We still feel ourselves as we know. We don't pray and then suddenly not feel as if we exist, right? We still feel as if we exist and we still don't feel our source, right? However, what we're trying to do is to draw down in the place that we still remain in as human beings and as God made us with all the things that come with that, to draw down a new perspective into our own lives, a perspective of unity, of oneness, and of ultimate godly consciousness. And so, same question. How is that possible? How can we remain people, individuals, human beings, with the, within the world of Amadeus Escalía and draw down a new consciousness into that space called Amadeus Kassia? They don't mix. These are two opposite things. And Moshe was asking this in the opposite way when he was saying to Hashem, what do you mean you want me to go and speak? You want me to go to the Jewish people? He was saying, I'm from Amadeus Kassia. I can't talk. And you want me to start acting, you know, from a place... I, I am literally live a life of Amadeus Kassia and you want me to go and speak and involve myself in the world of Amadeus Kali. He was saying the same thing to Hashem. And that's the Maimah that discusses me when Hashem says, who is the one who gave you your mouth to speak? Um, but we're saying it in the opposite way. How can we draw down this consciousness of Amadeus Kasi when they're two completely different things and they don't go together? And so to answer that question, the altar was going to teach us about the Avaida of Kayahanim, which we've elaborated on quite a bit until now, and then the avida of the Leviim. The Leviim were all in the... I mean, I don't know old, but like... Just as the Kaihanim, their service was the Beis HaMikdash, the Levi'im was also. They didn't go and have jobs and own land like other people. They served in the Beis HaMikdash, or they learned Tyra. And so, what was their role? And we're going to see after learning their role how their role actually helps the Kaihan do his role, which is the Karbanais, which is that we bring the sacrifice from Ahmadiyya Eskalia, we make our effort, and then a fire comes from Ahmadiyya Eskalia and consumes the carbon. And we're drawing down from one well to another so where did we finish off inside we discussed the differences that exist within our soul the different levels the five general categories and then even more categories within that showing that even in when it comes to our soul it has a perspective of amadeus calia um then we said about moshe being kvadpeh because he is from amadeus cassia so he couldn't speak where are we again? and i think we ended with this paragraph here um, right here. Okay, yeah, that's what we ended off with. That this whole, we, we, we concluded based on this introduction we'd had about the sea and the dry land, and about the different levels of the soul, and about Moshe not being able to speak, that this is the whole idea of Habrocha Baruch Atashem. This is what we mean when we say Baruch Atashem. That's brought into him that we're drawing down from one world to the other, from Amadeus Kassia to Amadeus from Sauve of Kalamim, and we learned yesterday about Bital Bemitzias, right? Uh, literally, where you literally don't feel your own existence whatsoever, an experience of Bital Bemitzias in this world, and it should be revealed in Almedes Galia. Okay, so we're we. Always ad. we're Where Or no?
1: Sorry, I'm not understanding. Where? Or,
0: or before. Oh, you're saying the word? Where did we yeah, finish yeah. off? Ach. Ah. The next paragraph. Ach, uh, 30-something. Yeah, I'm sorry yeah, that 33. it's cuddle. 33? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's so chaval that we find, at least, at least in this mesh no, of Hebrew, have, there's like numbers have, for the lines. <laughs> we don't have numbers on the pages or on the lines. Okay, so now we're going to, so until now we spoke about the kayan. Now we're going to start speaking about the Levim. So ach kol b'chinnets bracha v'am shacha melemayla, this whole aspect and concept of a bracha, of a hamshacha, of drawing down from above to below. We said bracha means hamshacha. Bracha means on a simple level to bless, on a deeper level means to draw down. This whole idea of the service of drawing down from one world to the other, from one level to the next. This is the level, this is the service, and the role of the Aval. But... The service of the Levim had a different well, character. I guess that's what we could translate mida here as. It, it was different. It had within it a different aspect of service. And Hasidus, when it comes to the Beis HaMikdash, which we know is kind of like a microcosm of the whole world, and each vessel in the basement just represents a different service of Hashem, right? So we discussed the Avaidah of the Kaihanim as it connects to specifically the Mizbeach. But then we have the menorah and what that represents. We learned that a little bit and when we learned about Hanukkah, the menorah and the Beis HaMikdash. We have the shulchan, we have the incense. Each one represents different ways that we serve Hashem. Until now, we've elaborated on what was actually happening spiritually and on a service level when we brought carbon ice, which was the job of the kohen. Now we need to see what was the job of the Levi. Does anyone know what the Levi did in the Beis HaMikdash?
1: Something like muses.
0: music. Music. Yeah. You know how long they had to learn before they were able to play an instrument in the Beis HaMikdash? Yeah. For five years they had to first study I mean I know people learn musical instruments for way longer than that but for five years they had to study music before they were able to actually perform in the of mikdash and at some point there were thousands and thousands and thousands of Levine playing in the of mikdash at the same time
1: Did
0: they also wash the Kohen like, hands? Yes Yes um, and I think there were like, a few other things they did as well they were in charge of different things going on in the of mikdash but this was like their main job it could be if you just didn't have a mutisical, uh, <laughs> then you ended up washing people's feet. <laughs> but my father's a lady, so yeah, that would be me if I didn't now I'm not marry <laughs> I'd be washing people's feet. Uh, okay. So Midah they had a different service, Himi Mata Lamayla, which was from below to above. Started from our perspective down here and took that perspective, that consciousness, and raised it up, elevated it upward to reaching towards a new level so which is the opposite lamata from above to below is the cayenne drawing from the down down into the Levi was working down here with what he had as it's written the avod halevi who and the service of the Levi is it's the beginning of a Pasuk that then goes on to detail the service of the Levi. But we take these three words of the Avatalevi who, and we say the service of the Levi is who, a level called who. What does who mean? He. he. Mm-hmm. Who is he and he is she, right? Who means he. So far we've been speaking about Atah, right, that we're drawing from above to below, where we're drawing from a level of Hashem as he's concealed down to Atah, down to right here where you can point at God. When we speak about God on a level of who... Again, which means he, you only say he about someone who's not right there, right? That's kind of rude to speak about, right? Someone when they're right there and say, yeah, she said, you say, like Esther said, or you, right? Um, so when you say he, who, we're speaking about something as it is far away. So the avatalevi hu. The service of the levi is an aspect called who, which we're going to elaborate on what that is. She <laughs> that his service is he Alma de It's on a level of the world, the world that is hidden. That it should not be drawn down and lowered to the level of Alma de that is the role of the Kohen. But rather, they are dealing with a level that is, so to speak, not a level at all, and we're going to discuss what that means where they do not take up any space whatsoever or feel themselves whatsoever. K'may as is written, you are Hashem alone. We have here four levels. Maybe we can put it into three. We have Atah, where we draw Hashem from a concealed state into al Galia to the point that we can point at him you. That's Atah. Hashem, as he's been lowered, as the con- godly consciousness has been lowered to the point that we, as individual separate people, can actually connect with him. Who is a level of amadiskasya? Hashem, as he's concealed, as he's far. So we say he, because we don't feel him. So Hashem, as he is in an elevated, infinite, concealed state. And then havaya levadecha means Hashem as he is alone. That's a level that transcends both the level of atta and the level of Who? Both the level of Amadeus and the level of Amadeus Skalia. What does that mean? It's a level of Hashem that does not fall into the category of worlds whatsoever. And so if we look at this chart here. From Chachmah starts Almedes Galia, starts Mamalei Kol Amin. It's individualized, specific, limited light of God. It's very, very lofty in Chachmah, right? Chachmah Vatzilis, but it's still got a name, it's got a function, it's got a specific expression. It starts in Chachmah Vatzilis, all the way down to this world, through all four of the spiritual worlds. That is all Almedes Galia. Yes?
1: Wait,
0: what did you say? That's what I'm going to discuss right now. It's Hashem as he transcends the world completely. So, Chachma downward is Amadeus Galia. And the souls that come from even the highest places in Atzalus, very, very lofty souls, still come from this perspective of Amadeus Galia, right? And that's not to say that that's a shortcoming whatsoever. That's how God created our souls, that there's past, there's divisions, there's separateness, there's personality, etc. Then we have Kesar, which sits on top. Kesar means a crown, right? A crown sits on top of the head of the king. So there's the king. Uh, and the life and the energy of the king and there's this thing that's connected to his head but it's above his head. And that's keser. Keser we can call Almadez Kasia. Soiv of Kalomun. Keser sits above and it gives light and life to the world in a way that's indiscriminate. So it gives to everything equally. That's what we spoke about Soif of Kalamun. That's what we spoke about Almadez Kasia. So this incredibly high consciousness we can say comes from Kesar and beyond and beyond keser. We don't have you don't have to actually like know exactly what that means. But it's an idea that there's light that comes from Hashem in an individualized way, which starts from Chokhmah Vatzilas, and that's individualized. That's channeled that's called mamale kolom. And then there's keser, which is an infinite level of Hashem, which does give life to the world, but in an infinite, indiscriminate way, equally to everybody. It's be above the world, like the crowd sits above the head of the king, but it's also attached to the world because it has what to do with the world. It's, it's, it's giving life to the world. Havaya would be, let's say, from, from keser in this context. So it's involved in the world. It's giving life to the world, but it's also above and beyond and transcends the world but it's still attached. Then we have Hashem as he's even higher than Kesser. We have Hashem as he's not connected to the world whatsoever. The way that we relate to Hashem, right? If you say, what can you tell me about God? Say, well, he created the world, right? And then what else can you tell me about God? Well, we have two ways of going about that. We can speak about God based on how we see the world, which is what the philosophers do. The fact that God created this world means that everything in this world is an expression of himself. And so we can look at the world and learn about God. Or what's the other um, tool, channel that we've been given to access and learn about God other than the world? Torah. Torah. And that's the Kabbalists. The Kabbalists say, okay, let's look into the Torah and learn about God. Right? So when we learn about God, we are learning about God from the perspective of the world. Right? That's basically the biggest compliment we could give God is he created the world. But God himself is not limited to the fact that he created the world. Right? God was, is, and always will be. He's unchanged. And this world doesn't actually affect him. And that's a big question. How much does our service have, um, actually affect God? Um, that's for another time. It's <laughs> a big question. But at the end of the day, we cannot limit God to saying that he's involved in the world. There's an aspect and level, an innermost part of God that transcends the world. Not only in a level of Kesar where it's above the world but still giving. Where it's totally separate. Where Hashem is himself. Levadecha. You are alone. That's what Levadecha means. Levad. Alone. Havaya Levadecha. Hashem is he exists alone. Not on a level of Amadeus Kasia And not a level of Amadeus Skaglia. And if you're been learning with us for a while, we can call that also Atmos, right? Essence. Hashem as he relates to himself, not as he relates to something outside of him. So that would be Hashem and his truth, because the truth is, the real truth of everything is that everything's one with God. But Hashem as his truth is, 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 he's one with his truth, which is that there's nothing other than him. He was, is, and always will be. He did not get created by anything, and he's not affected by anything that he created. This is what we would call Hashem, on a level in this context called Levadecha. Hashem is He is alone. And the Levian were accessing from their place down here in this world, that level of Hashem called Levadecha. How do
1: you spell that in
0: Hebrew? Levadecha, Lamed Vez, Dalet kaf. Levadecha and the truth is this is kind of the conclusion that we come to very very often when it comes to questions in how can these two opposite things coexist at the same time and the answer is God is not limited to things being opposite God created both and therefore he is able to make the rules of the game Amadeus and Amadeus Kalia do not work together human beings with limited um abilities with limited consciousness right who by definition of them being a human being, means that they feel separate, are able to experience something transcendent. Why? Because God transcends both of these levels and therefore can allow them both to happen at the same time. But something unique about the avayda, the service of the leviyim, that's able to tap into this aspect of God called levadecha, the highest levels of God, as he's totally disconnected from the worlds, to connect to that and allow for then the service of the kaihanim to go about, even though it's a service that's not actually really possible. The service of drawing from Amadeus Kassir to Amadeus Kallia, of drawing from above to below, and of allowing us down here as limited people to have a a spiritual, transcendent, true consciousness of God. What were the Levim doing to allow that to happen? They were singing. They were playing music. So we're going to have to learn a bit about music and the power of music to be able to tap into something that is totally beyond our own abilities to grasp. But that's so
1: that's, cool. it's that's why it's called the power of music. Yes.
0: Exactly. The most power. powerful niguna are those without words. Right. It's just it's the exactly. melody. Just yeah. Like, and who would know better than the Alter who's teaching us this or who was a master composer, right? Composed the Dalabavas, oh, yeah. Keliata, I mean, of, you know Malkenu, like you can take these to music experts and they're going to say this person knew what he was doing the altar many of the Rabaim did not actually compose their, there was many nigunim attributed to different Rabaim. they did not compose them their chassidim composed them and they liked it i just found out this week that the Bainani Nigun, um which we always attri- like connect with a frida kareba was written by one of his chassid was composed with one of his chassidim and he loved it so it's his. it's connected to his um to his leadership, but he didn't compose it. Most of the nigunim were composed by the Chassidim, or even by prof- like Chassidim whose professional job was to compose music. But how is
1: it possible if the rabbi explains the nigun and then he doesn't like like meaning like he's he can explain already with the material that the Chassid is composed like has composed the nigun and then the rabbi explains it. We're like,
0: how does it work? Yeah, so <laughs> the Hasidim composed a lot of music. I right, think it right. was, the Mithil Rebbe had a kapella. He had a yeah. whole, mm-hmm. um, what's it called, like a band? Um, an orchestra? A orchestra. And their job was to compose Nigunim. And not all of them became Nigunim. Some of them right. would just, were and then some, when, the, when the Rebbe would hear one and say, okay, that, that's got something to it, then oh. it would become chosen as a Nigunim and then you can Equal. explain it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, not all of the songs from the Hasidim actually actually became like official nigunim that's attributed to one to a specific rebbe. Um, but so yeah, we're going to talk about the power of a nigun. Nigun means nigun means a melody. That's actually what a nigun means. And the service and the importance of the levim in the Beis Hamikdash. Okay, are we clear so far on this idea of Levadecha Hashem as He exists alone? Because mm-hmm. we will be coming back to this a lot. Chassidus comes back to it all the time, as we've discussed before. Kabbalah talks about godliness, the levels of God Alma discuss Desgalia, the Sephiris, and Chassidus always comes back to God, right? God as He is, God as He is alone. And God as He is alone is not limited to think one thing being spiritual or physical or transcendent or limited or a feeling of separateness or unity. Because God is above all these concepts and ideas. So she'ena Begedar Alman Klaw, this is a level of God that's not in the category of worlds whatsoever, not in a way of giving to the world in a direct way or even giving to the world in an indirect way. mamale It's not in the category of the light called Mamale, that gives directly, and not in the light that gives indirectly or that gives in a hidden way. This was the service of the Levim. To tap into this level of Hashem through song, and niggun would be melody, and what would zimra be? I don't know. Oh, it's like a, a we need three. Sentences. We need three English words for this: nice. song, melody, and tune. Tune, harmony. harmony. Thank you. <laughs> Why? Why was playing music somehow connecting? To these levels of Hashem, not by drawing from one level to another, but by remaining where we are right here and tapping into the transcendent. Hashem as he's alone. The whole idea of a melody who is She'in borak Kispalos Han that it doesn't only excite the soul, because of the revelation of the stanzas, somebody. You, you could think, why do people get excited by music? Why does it touch their soul? Because they're so inspired by the composer and by the composition of the music. That's actually not the case, right? You can have zero understanding in music and not understand how, you know, there are rules to music. Although I guess the most famous musicians break those rules and that's what makes them so popular. I don't know. I don't actually know what I'm saying when it comes to music. Um, I tried to try and learn piano for a few years, but like, no, it's just not my. I love it, but I'm just not good at it. Um, but we don't get excited by the revelation of the stanzas of the song. Like, wow, that went after that and that's so smart, right? and not because the melodies have on their own from themselves any sort of intellect and knowledge and novelty right when do we ex- we get excited let's say by a, a, a class or a Dvar Torah we're following along and we see how one thing connects to the other and we're understanding it and then we get excited how this connected to this and this connected to this and we're learning new information right so there's something novel And there's also, like, a sequence and a a connection that we get excited about. When it comes to music, we're not getting excited about that. We don't get excited by the novelty of the music. Usually, actually, if you hear a song for the first time that's very different to what you've heard, you're going to be put off by it. You're not going to want to listen to it, which is why the radio is going to play songs that everybody... They've done tons of studies on this. Everyone says they hate the songs that are played on the radio, but they always tune into those songs. Mm -hmm. Because... Like, I I don't remember who, but like they studied the men, I think specifically, who all said that they hated these like women singers. I don't know who it was. Um, They hated them. And if you ask them like, but then every time that that, they would switch to the channel that was playing that music because it was familiar. We connect to music actually more when it's familiar than when it's novel, right? Like the the best thing about music is when you hear like an old favorite, right? An old favorite that you can listen to again and again, or you could have listened to it for the past 20 years and you still want to hear it again. So, we don't get excited by music because of the novelty. And actually on the contrary, usually. We get like turned off almost by something that we've never heard before. Until we hear it enough times, right? I remember like every time a new song would come out, I'd hear it for the first time and be like, eh. And then I'd hear it like three more times and be like, oh, I love it, mm-hmm. right? Um, and not because of the, just the, the logic, the logical sequence of the music either. Ella. Rather, why do we get excited by music? Mipne because. Giloi ha When we hear the melody. Mit-orer giloi Halev, It awakens the heart in a revealed way. We feel our soul in a revealed way. Our soul is always there. Our soul is always talking to us. It's always feeling the feelings it's feeling. <laughs> she said that three times in a row. <laughs> but it remains in a concealed state most of the time. It's quiet. When we hear music, it draws out our heart in a way that we can feel it in in, in a revealed way. That's what music does. It taps into the, the deepest parts of our soul and allows us to actually feel them. And we know that when, you know, the more spiritual the song is and the more spiritual the composer, the more we can actually feel this, right? Even when it comes to a very old song... Yeshis Aurus, you can still get excited, vesbalas, awakened and excited, giloi hatnua, from hearing this song, sheba and this was inyan halevi, the service of the levi bashira, with song, and this is something that we've all experienced to varying degrees. Some people are like really into music, right? But everybody, no one like hates music. All oh, my brother, when he was young, we would put on any music, he would like, have a full-on tantrum. Um, it was really strange. Like, he wouldn't let us play any music or sing. If I mean, we all couldn't really sing. Maybe that's why. But we would <laughs> sing. If we would put on music, he would literally have a meltdown. But now I don't think he minds music so much. No, I says he listens to music. We like music to varying degrees. We connect to it. And then there's When There's general music and then there's nigunim, as you discussed. There are spiritual melodies that when we really sing them enough times and we can really get involved in it, either listening to it or singing it or playing it, whatever it is, where we actually feel a stirring in our heart, which is a stirring in our soul. Because it touches a very, very deep place. A deeper place than novelty of intellect touches. So when we learn Torah... But when we meditate on godly concepts, or when we hear Advar Torah, we go to a class, our intellect is getting excited. Our intellect is getting awakened, right? And that's great. And that's very, very important. But if I would come in here every morning and give you the same class, it could be the most amazing class, right? Of Torah. You guys would stop coming. <laughs> the same class every single day. No, thank you. How about how many of us listen to the same song even maybe every day so then we get really sick of it at some point but we can listen <laughs> for a very long time to a song and the reason is because when we're learning something not there has to be novelty when we're learning because it's touching not as deep of a place and when we learn something we get excited by the flow of it by the connections by the intellect behind it and by the novelty and that awakens our mind our heart is deeper Our neshama goes way deeper than just our intellect. There are layers and layers and layers of our soul that transcend the intellect. Which is why we know like you could survey the brain. I mean more and more and more. We don't know most things about the brain. But we're learning more and more about the brain. Not only by cutting it open, but by all different methods. So we can learn maybe even all there is to know about how our brain functions when it comes to thought. But there is no possible way that you can open up the brain and explain certain aspects of life as we have it. There's just no scientific way to explain it. Like, just, even just where does our life come from? There's our brain. And our brain actually, our intellect, comes from a very deep place within our soul. But there are deeper levels behind that. And those deeper levels we cannot access through intellect. There's a limit. There's a limit to intellect. And we, again, when we look at the way Hashem works in the world, we are made in the image of Hashem. Our soul is made in this image Chokhmah is the beginning of the world as we know it. Chokhmah is intellect. It's God's intellect, and we have the Chokhmah within ourselves. But there is a lot more behind that, right? And if we want to be able to connect to something way beyond that, while still remaining the person that I am, we need to be able to tap into that, and we're able to do that through song. Song is able to tap into the deepest parts of ourself, which transcend our intellect, which transcend us as individual people, which transcend our feeling of separateness and feeling of existence on our own. And when we're able to transcend that, we're able to have these two things coming together. And the marshal that's always brought for this idea, I think I might've told it to you before, is that you can have, I have told it to you before, that you can have two ministers, right, in a cabinet, Who are tasked with two opposite things so i'm trying to think of an example i've told this to you before right no Mm -hmm. that you can have two ministers let's say one is in charge of the environment okay he is like he needs to take care of that his country's environment and air is clean pollution that's his life job and he's serving his president his king whatever it is to do that and then you have another minister who's also equally devoted to his king and he's in charge of the money let's say right transportation. public transportation right but let's say money and so he, you know the environmentalist wants all the money to go to saving the planet and the other guy is in charge of giving money to everybody they're gonna clash right and we know that when it comes to these different divisions in politics there's big clashes because you can have you can be serving the same ultimate purpose serving your country serving your king serving your president whatever it is and just be tossed with very different things that are absolutely opposite but what happens then when there's a big, big fight between these two ministers, okay, let, They get brought before the king. And when they're brought before the king, they, get, they realize that there's actually something beyond their own individual roles. And then they're actually able to make up. They're able to work together when they go in front of the king. And they realize the ultimate purpose, which is higher than just their small individual job. And that's the idea. Every time that we come to this question in these two things are opposite, right? Spirituality and physicality opposite, right? And how a state where we can feel a total unity with Hashem and a state where we feel separate are two opposite things. How am I supposed to remain a human being and also have transcendent experience and also truly live the truth of God, which is His oneness? And the answer is we have to go before the King. We have to tap into something that's higher than both, which then allows these two opposites to exist at the same time. And that's what's happening when we hear a song, when we tap into song, and that's what the Levim were doing in the Beis HaMikdash. They were allowing the Kaihanim to do their service, which was a service of opposites, drawing from above to below, from Amadiskati to Amadiskalia, Kalia, Baruch Hashem. They allowed them to do that by them playing the songs in the Beis HaMikdash, by tapping into the deepest place of God and the deepest place in the soul, which then, which is higher than both of these levels and therefore allows these levels to exist at the same time. Saga. I'm just trying to find the place where we are inside Yeah okay, so end of the line here, 39, I guess, because the next one's a four. So okay. the end of line 39 Kahu So too was the service of the levy in the base a Bashira with song. Hispalos excite the soul not by drawing from a level that beyond the soul but rather from herself they worked with the soul that they had down here and tapped into the deepest part of the soul and therefore allowed for this transcendent experience again the kaihanim are drawing from something outside of themselves down into the world outside of the world down into this world outside of my consciousness into my consciousness the Leviim were just going deeper from what they already had and that then allowed them to transcend. That's called mata lamala. From below, working with my soul as it is down here, tapping into it so deeply through song that it's able to get an elevation and go upwards. So mitzad Atma from the soul herself, v'loy mitzad hasaga, not from a place of understanding. L'hoilid muvinase to then give birth to some sort of understanding, intellect. May akhar, since his role, his service is one of reaching to the depth of himself which reaches to the depth of God which is God as he transcends the world completely as he's higher than Atta, as he's higher than who. because what's the truth of God no thought can grasp him And so as much as you're going to reach with your intellect, right? You can never reach Him. Because we can never understand God. And no thought can really grasp Him. So how do we grasp God? The answer is by going beyond thought. By going beyond intellect. How do we connect to God? By an excitement of the deepest parts of the soul. Of the heart. The depths of the heart. That's the depths of the heart. The depths of that it should reach to the soul Nakuda the the point of the heart and it should not remain in a state of concealment alone again our soul is always there the deepest parts of our soul are always there but we can't reach them through intellect we're going to hit a wall when it comes to intellect how much we can understand about our own soul how much we can understand about god and then if we want to go beyond that we go to song, we tap into the deepest levels. And when we're able to, what does it mean What does it mean to tap in? I use that word a lot. What does it mean to tap into the deepest level? It means to reveal it. It's always there. And now we can feel it in a tangible felt way. And again, those of us who have taken the time with a nigger, sometimes we can really also get excited by songs that aren't necessarily Jewish. Yeah. But that's considered connecting to getting excited from something that's, I don't know. Chasidus takes music very seriously as we can see right so the more seriously you take music the more you the more emphasis you put on the the source of the music and the composer of the music it's a good question yeah probably (laughs) because even with the when it's not jewish music
1: no No, no that's what she was asking
0: yeah yeah so the 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 animal soul and the godly soul are very much paralleled they have levels that are very much equal to each other. Just one's going in this direction, one's going in this direction. Yeah. So we can get excited and tap into very deep places of the animal soul. Um, and that would be through song, right? Because you could say, well, I feel something when I hear music. It's like, yes, there's music in general. Just general music, not Jewish, like Nigan, Hasidic. Music taps into a very, very deep place within our heart. And the question is, which heart? <laughs> and then it depends on which music, right? But it's so
1: interesting because I feel like the professional, I'm, again, not a professional musician, in any kind of way or, like, whatever, I don't know how it works in the brains for people to propose it, but I feel like even when they're composing stuff and when they're creating stuff and when something, like, some creative process is happening, they don't know how it's gonna end. They just know it's there. Like, it doesn't, they don't have the ending, you know what I mean? Like, when they, they start, the, they don't know what the end will right, be. Right, they don't know how how it's going to end. They don't know how, like, how they're going to put it to to the finish.
0: It's like people and start like, a poem also. Right. You, you start a poem, you have no idea how it's going to end until you get I to the end.
1: Specifically with, like, musicians, because, like, when you create, like, when you're making a text, like, when, when it's worked, I feel like you have the structure in your head. At least that's what I feel when I'm writing, like, my academic career. I don't know, like, I have, I have, I, I don't know what's going to be the end, but I'm like, you know what I mean, I know there's going to be a structure to this, but with music I feel like it's a much more, like, fluid process, it's much more, like, fluctuating process, and it's much more, like, it's something that is already inside of you, Right. but you cannot, like, explain
0: it to, yeah. it to That's why we take music so seriously because the person who's composing it is putting himself into the music. Right. Because, as you said, you can't intellectually plan out and compose music. Yes. It doesn't work. You have to tap into very, very deep places within yourself and bring that outward, which music does. And so then we say, well, when you hear music, you're connecting to the deepest part of that person. So then the question is, who is that person and how do they live their life, yeah. right? And people can take this um, to all different levels right and it depends on for everyone where they're holding i know some people who won't listen to a singer who let's say because they're hasidic who, who if the singer doesn't have a beard so they're not yeah. on the same so they won't listen or some people will only listen to nigunim or only like a, you right. know there's all there's all different levels or classical music but not this type of music you know it's something that um for those who love music, it's very very difficult. For those who don't really care, it's easier. Like me, <laughs> <laughs> I've never really struggled with not listening to not just music, not because I have such a amazing yetzer tov and I'm so, but just because like I was never so into music. So yishai ribo is kind of like enough for me, you know. Um, but my friends who are very into music, it's extre- it's extremely difficult. Um, so so that that's already like a question, kind of where you're holding where you want to be. But it is a thing to be. To be aware of that when you hear the music you're tapping into a very deep part within your soul and the soul of the person who composed it because he put his he or she obviously put their 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 a place a very very deep part of themselves way beyond their intellect into it right which is why we aren't as strict saying oh you can't listen to this lecturer if he's not jewish we say oh you shouldn't listen to that singer if they're not jewish why they're both sharing something from inside themselves to you because the lecturer is sharing from his intellect, not so deep within himself. And the composer is sharing from like, his deepest place. And then your deepest place is connecting. As opposed to your intellect meeting their intellect. More external aspects of your soul. But are we understanding this idea of how the music is enabling... How the avaida of the leviyim through music is enabling the avaida of the kaihanim through drawing from above to below... And how the service of the levim is called in our from below to above. Because we're not reaching for something outside of ourselves, beyond ourselves. We're reaching for something within ourselves. We're going down to the depth of who we are through song. And through that getting an elevation and rising upwards. And again, the music, when we say tapping in. Makif, makif again, does not mean that it surrounds. But rather that it's concealed. That, and so we're taking the deepest point of our heart, which is usually in a state of concealment, and we are bringing it forth in a felt way. Wait, how is Marquee also? Ma- so here it's saying, <laughs> that it should not be in a state of concealment oh, alone. Okay. So we are, <laughs> that it should reach, it should touch the point of the heart, and it should not remain in a concealed state. And tomorrow we're going to see how we have this experience in davening as well because davening when we get to the shemona when we get to the baruch Atah, and also in the beginning of the davening we focus on the karbonas which is the service of the kaihanim we also need to focus on the service of the levim in our davening so that we can actually successfully have a baruch Atah and truly draw from above to below and we're going to see the role of song in our davening that's what we're going to continue with tomorrow and then we're going to connect it back to the azjasher and the song that was sung at the splitting of the sea and then we're going to get to why did god split the sea okay